Priceless Perspective. I'm your hostess, Nicole Steele, and I'm excited today to have joining us Ms. Samantha Macedo. She's a teen advocate with the Partnership Against Domestic Violence. Our organization, Diamond in the Rough, has worked and partnered with the Partnership Against Domestic Violence for several years, helping to educate young girls on issues relating to teen dating violence. Ms. Macedo has received her bachelor's degree in sociology from Georgia State University and previously was a community outreach advocate. Now she works with the Partnership Against Domestic Violence and works extensively with survivors of domestic violence, specializing in case management, support group facilitation, community education, and building community partnerships. Welcome to A Priceless Perspective, Samantha. Thank you, Nicole, and thank you so much for inviting me to your show. Well, we've had a pleasure of working with you specifically. I know that you have come out for several years with our Diamond University Leadership Academy, and you have um, conducted several workshops that are very engaging for our young ladies. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the work that you do, and specifically when it comes to teen dating violence, some statistics that people should know? Absolutely. Um, It has been a true pleasure working with Diamond University. Um, We find that it's a very important issue to talk with young people about what is a healthy relationship and what is an abusive relationship. We find that one in three teenagers in the U.S. experience some sort of emotional, physical, and verbal abuse from a dating partner. So when we talk about What does an abusive relationship look like? We try to go over what are the warning signs, how can you tell, mainly because people who are young and starting to date don't really have the experience to, um, you know, to see what, you know, how do you resolve conflict, for example. Do you, is it normal that you, if you have an issue, if you disagree with your dating partner, that you start screaming and throwing things and breaking things and threatening each other. And that is what we, one of the conversations that we try to have, that that is not a healthy way to resolve conflict. Uh, we also find that breaking up with an abusive, uh, from an abusive relationship is the most dangerous time in that relationship. So we try to make sure that they know how to get help, ideally talk to an adult, a parent, a teacher, a mentor. But if you don't feel comfortable to talking talking to an adult, call a crisis line and make sure that you have a safety plan. So learning about what an abusive relationship looks like, what are the warning signs, how to get help, those are the things that we do at Partnership Against Domestic Violence to prevent dating violence in Georgia. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about what dating violence is. I know that there's a misconception and sometimes people just associate dating violence with somebody being physically abusive, hitting, punching, um, kicking, but it's so much broader than that. Can you share with our listeners some of yes, the other I, examples of dating violence? Yes, we find that by the time physical abuse shows up, there have been many other behaviors that have been abusive and have already established themselves in the relationship. For example, using intimidation, that is uh, making someone afraid by using just looks or actions or gestures, smashing things, destroying property, abusing pets, or displaying a weapon, um, isolating or excluding someone, so controlling what the other person does, who they see, who they talk to, what they can wear, um, where they can go, limiting the outside involvement and using jealousy to justify these actions, as well as, you know, peer pressure, threatening to expose someone's weakness or spread rumors, telling malicious lies about an individual to their group of friends, Um, minimizing, denying, or blaming. That means, you know, making light of the abuse, meaning, you know, I didn't mean it like that. Why do you have to take it like that? You're exaggerating. That's not what I said. So not taking concerns about um, the problems in the relationship seriously, saying the abuse didn't happen, or shifting the responsibility for the abusive behavior, meaning you made me do it, you provoked me, you you know that when you do that, it provokes me. So saying that the other person caused it. Um, threats, making or carrying out threats to do something to hurt the other person, threatening to leave, threatening to hurt themselves if the person breaks up with them, threatening to report them to the police, using anger or using uh, emotional abuse, putting the other person down, making them feel bad for uh, about themselves, name-calling, um, making them think that they're crazy, um, paranoid, playing mind games, humiliating the other person in front of their friends, um, using social uh, status, treating the other person like a servant or making all the decisions in the relationship. Um, there's also sexual coercion, manipulating or making threats to get sex, get, getting the other person pregnant or threatening to take, um, you know, if they have sh- uh, children together, threatening to take the children away because they're a bad parent. So, in at TADB, we define abusive relationships as or dating abuse as any kind of behavior that has formed a pattern in the relationship with trolling and having power over the other person. So I know we know that when we say domestic violence and dating violence, the first thing that pops into everyone's head is that physical abuse. But we would really try to challenge our audiences to think beyond that, to think that it is a pattern of abusive and controlling behavior that have established themselves in the relationship with the intent of having power over their partner. And I think that that's really interesting. I mean, that was a really long list, and we both of us know that that doesn't, even cover everything that will fall under an unhealthy or abusive relationship. But I think that it's very interesting, especially when it comes to young ladies, how they can, I guess, misinterpret what love is. When you talk about abuse, you've mentioned that it's really about power and about control 
more so than maybe a physical violent act. It's about controlling somebody. And so when I see young ladies or talk to young ladies who have maybe a boyfriend who calls them every five minutes or is texting them or needs to know every minute of the day where they are, if they're at the mall, where are you, who are you with, that's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. If a girl has a boyfriend that is insistent on picking out her clothes and, you know, you can't wear that and why do you have those jeans on and you need to wear this and that's abuse. That is an unhealthy relationship. Can you can you go a little bit further um, and maybe talk about some things that you've seen as you've worked in the field, especially when it comes to social media and technology? There are some things now that weren't an issue, say, when I was coming up many billion years ago. <laughs> we didn't have, you know, camera phones and Facebook and all that. But can you talk about how things are changing and how young people can maybe misinterpret behaviors and they might tend to think, oh, well, he really loves me. Oh, he's just, you know, like you said, jealous. He's just a little jealous, but jealousy is not healthy. Right. I mean, nowadays, uh, young people, they, they're they just connected all the time. And like you said, you know, us adults might not get it because we didn't grow up like that, right? But young people are growing up in a time where they are just always connected and technology is always going to be part of the world. Um, when it comes to dating abuse, um, we do know that three in ten young people have sent or received nude pictures uh, of another young person on their cell phone or online. And that 61% of teens who have sexed report being pressured into doing so at least once. So the solution is not really to take away that technology, to shut down their Facebook page, but technology can also be used to ha- be safe. I know that there are phone apps that, for example, Love is Not Abuse has a phone app with a lot of resources on how to get help, but also it has a, a dating violence simulator um, Maybe for us adults to just kind of understand what it what it what it what it feels like when um, you have someone texting you and saying, "Hey, thinking about you, missing you, um, where where are you?" And then very soon after, you didn't respond. Where are you? And then it, as, as soon after, it starts getting really aggressive, right? So I, you said it perfectly. You know, it might be masked as you know, I'm just worried about you. I'm doing this for because for your best interest, uh, I'm doing this because I care about you. So the monitoring behavior can be masked as, you know, I just care about you or our jealousy. You know, that's something that we try to talk to young people about. The jealousy is not a sign of love. You know, it can be used to justify their actions. So when we talk about technology, we really want to make sure that, you know, how to safety plan uh, through technology, you know, if, um, someone is harassing you over Facebook, um, you can either block that person or ignore those, those comments. Um, if someone is constantly calling you, again, you can block that number. But taking away that phone, for example, would mean also mean that there's no way for that young person to reach out for help. That's a good point. Now, one other, um, I think, misconception when it comes to dating abuse <laughs> is that 
the male is always the perpetrator, is always mm-hmm. the aggressor. And what I'm seeing in the work that we do in the field with young girls, girls have become excessively, um, I guess, assertive and just abusive in many ways. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, you mentioned unhealth, signs of unhealthy relationships and not being able to communicate well and not knowing how to address conflict in relationships. And can we talk about abuse with girls being the abuser as opposed to the one that's being abused. Right. When it comes to girls, girls tend to be more verbally abusive and monitoring. Abuse can happen to boys, um, especially when you talk about, you know, a girlfriend constantly calling them and calling their boyfriend and asking where they are and who are they with, uh, making fun of the boyfriend in front of their friends, even flirting, you know, flirting with a friend in front of the boyfriend, all those things that um, really make the person feel like, you know, you're never going to find someone like me. You're never going to find someone who's going to take you um, and making the person feel like they really have no freedom, no choice over their own lives. So absolutely, when we talk about girls uh, being abusive, then some of the things that we can talk about is, you know, not being so possessive over their boyfriends. Um, you know, someone who is um, who gets really angry with their boyfriend, someone who is very possessive, someone who wants to get very serious early in the relationship, and or someone who has experienced abuse at home, again, may not have seen what a healthy relationship looks like. I mean, we talk about it all the time, how boys can be abused, but I just recently found a video that showed a girl slapping a his boyfriend 14 times because we tend to think you know you're a girl you're a dainty um you know little thing and you know a slap is not going to hurt like when a boy or a man slaps which may be true as far as the physical force but it's still abusive when you are using that as a tactic to um you know again have control over that partner have power over that partner um, especially if they've already been threatened, saying, you know what, you're not going to find somebody else, you know, so you better, uh, you know, you should not break up with me. Well, I I have a rule that I tell the girls that I come in contact with, and it is do not put your hands on a male. Males are taught not to hit girls, but girls mm-hmm. shouldn't hit guys either. And, I mean, and it crosses over to all of those other types of unhealthy behaviors as well. And you you talked about modeling and and being able to find healthy relationships. I think that that's so important because a lot of times girls will mimic what they've seen. So if they've seen their parents in unhealthy relationships with a lot of violence or a lot of yelling or isolation or what have you, chances are, not always, but sometimes they can kind of pick up those habits and begin to think that that's the norm. So if a young lady who's listening is finding herself around other unhealthy relationships, she needs to purposely seek out positive, healthy relationships. It might be the parents of another friend whose, you know, (laughs) parents appear to have a, a, a healthy relationship. You need to kind of find and model healthy behaviors as opposed to just perpetuating what you've always been around or what you've always seen or what you've always done. 
Right. Um, yeah, and when it comes to young people, we tend to think that they're not really listening to us, but they are definitely looking at us. And if we don't model healthy behavior or healthy relationships for them, they, it's going to be very hard for them to see it somewhere else. So I usually try to bring up TV. TV is filled with TV shows that are with unhealthy relationships, but there are a couple of them that are really good, like um, My Wife and Kids, um, you know, some of those shows that really show how a couple can overcome things, stay together if you are respectful of one another, if you have boundaries. Just because you're in a couple doesn't mean that you're boundaryless. But, you know, you have your personal space and you convey that what that personal space is to your partner. If you have um, equality in the relationship, you both enjoy the benefits and responsibilities of being in that relationship. And more importantly, you support each other's goals. Your self-esteem is good when you're in a healthy relationship. And communication, you know, good, effective communication, not throwing things, not insulting one another, that's not the best way to resolve conflict. That's right. And I'm so glad that you mentioned boundaries because a lot of times, not just with young people but even adults, we don't create those boundaries. And it's very, very important to create them and to create them ahead of time and not Mm -hmm. in the heat of the moment, but Mm -hmm. to really figure out, okay, what things are important to me, what things are acceptable and aren't acceptable. And then once you create those boundaries, physical boundaries, emotional, social, spiritual, the whole nine, Mm -hmm. then beyond that you have to communicate because for you to have your boundaries in the person that you are dating being unclear of them, I mean, what's the use? And so being able to communicate effectively is so important. And when it comes to relationships in particular, it sets you up for a better, more healthy relationship and really for 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 um, teenagers and, and college students who are beginning to date. It helps them develop skills that they can then take into marriage, into their adulthood. And so Absolutely. communication is really important. Now, I recently read a stat that said nearly 80% of girls who've been victims of physical abuse in their dating relationships actually continue to date their abuser. Why do you think that is? And that's one of the other myths myths that we try to address in in our work at PADB because understanding why people stay um, is the first step in trying to help them. You know, the may um, you know abuse doesn't show up in the first date, so they may um, have started dating very well during the first few weeks, and then um, you know verbal abuse starts showing up, emotional abuse showed up, so um, you know the person may still care for their dating partner, so love becomes a barrier, you know, under, not really understanding that this is becoming a really a, a pattern of unhealthy behavior. Um, and not only, you know, they don't, because they still care, they just want the violence to stop, but not necessarily do um, anything against, them, against their abuser 
that's going to cause them pain, you know, so especially when we talk about young kids, you know, having, you know, my boyfriend might be up for a scholarship or my girlfriend, uh, you know, might be up for, um, you know, a, a um, varsity game. I don't know, something like that. So they don't want anything bad to happen to their abuser, but they definitely want the violence to stop. So in that case, love becomes a barrier in staying in that relationship. Um, it may be fear. You know, they're afraid of what their partner is threatening to do if they, if they leave their relationship. Again, they don't realize that it's a cycle of violence that, um, you know, things explode and then there's a happy period, but then it happens all over again. Um, they may be blaming themselves for the abuse because remember part of the in that abusive relationship, there has been a minimizing, denying, or blaming of the victim. Uh, they may feel like because they've been isolated, they've lost so many friendships due to this relationship, and they have, may have the the perceived uh, they have a, they may have the perception that they they have nowhere else to go to, that there's no one that will give a hand to them. Uh, they may also feel like they really are not in control of their own personal safety, you know, especially when you have um, abusers who go to the same school. They may feel that, um, you know, that, again, that, that inexperience with the relationships may make them feel like this is, there's not one point where they think, well, this is not normal. You know, again, they're just learning about relationships, and maybe their abuser is the one who is teaching them about relationships. This is how I was with my girlfriend, or this is how I was with my boyfriend. You know, um, there's also, um, you know, some of the reasons why people stay in those um, abusive relationships is because, again, they have um, not only they perceive that they have nowhere else to go to, but they actually have no one to go to. So they don't know about the resources out there. Um, so those are some many of the reasons why people stay in abusive relationships, and it's definitely not because they have low self-esteem, although after being in an abusive relationship for a while, your self-esteem definitely will go down if you constantly hear that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough, smart enough, anything. you know. So your self-esteem may come down thinking, you know, maybe... You know there is something there's some truth to that, so but it does not mean that the person had low self esteem to begin with or that they didn't know their worth to begin with um it happens to it can, because it can happen to anyone people who have money, people who don't have money, people who have religion, people who don't have religion is really not um again it's not really a matter of low self esteem it's just a matter of being groomed into withstanding more and more abuse every time. And that's really a good point to make because it does. It 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 totally goes beyond race. It be, it goes beyond age. It goes beyond economic background and neighborhoods. It, you know, abuse can happen in all types of environments. Now, I know that for many young girls who are suffering from unhealthy relationships, they suffer in silence. I know that you and I were talking uh, before we started the show on how many young people don't tell their parents. Mm -hmm. Can you share why that's dangerous for somebody to suffer in silence? Absolutely. When we're talking about how some abusers are very charming, meaning they are they behave perfectly okay with when the couple is with friends or with 
family. Yes, ma'am, no, sir, but behind closed doors they are being abusive, then that poses a real threat to young people who don't confide with their parents about their relationship. I know that um, we have one statistic that says that 81% of parents don't know that domestic, uh, dating violence is an, is an issue. So we're talking about parents who don't realize that, that you know, this is a big issue, that one in three teenagers report some kind of um, verbal, emotional, or physical abuse. And then we have 68% of teens who do not confide in the parents. So not only, um, you know, are adults not really having that conversation um, or leaving room for a door to open to that conversation, but, you know, again, young people are not confiding in their parents about it. Um, and it may be for several re- uh, reasons. It may be that maybe they're... they're the young person is not even supposed to be dating. If their parents don't think that, you know, you should be focusing in school, you shouldn't even be dating right now, but this young person found themselves falling in love, you know, so or so they think. <laughs> and so, you know, they, they started dating. So if, if uh, parents, um, you know, don't even know that the young person is dating, then they're definitely not going to confide to their parents of what's going on now that it's, it has turned abusive. And that's why communication is so important. And I've talked to young people who have been very young, been in middle school, and who have been in relationships um, unbeknownst to their parents. And they've been physically abusive relationships. Now, fortunately, they were able to get out. Their parents were able to get involved. But we see and read statistics every day from all over the country of young people who don't get out who the where the relationship turns deadly turns you know deadly violence i mean and and this is a reality and so secrets are not good whether they're about dating or anything it's good for young people and their parents to be able to communicate about everything can you talk a little bit about the warning signs? If there are parents who are listening or maybe there are girls that are listening and they're not in an abusive relationship but maybe they think that their friends are, can you talk about some of the warning signs? I know we've talked about, you know, the excessive phones and, you know, texts and that kind of thing, but what are some other telltale signs that somebody is in an unhealthy relationship? Well, because dating violence can affect every aspect of a young person's life. It may put them at risk of substance abuse, um, weight issues, um, pregnancy, suicidal thoughts, um, risky sexual behavior. Uh, We really want to pay attention to if the young person is having mood swings or changes in personality, especially after starting dating someone, um, changes in eating or sleeping habits, uh, constantly worrying about their dating partner, anxious about their their dating partner, um, what they might be thinking, what they might be doing, uh, difficulty making decisions or relying on others to make decisions, um, sudden changes in appearances, especially if the young person, you know, if they are starting to fall into depression and they might be a situation where they don't want to shower, they don't want to go out. If they, if it's summer and they're wearing long sleeves, it might be because they're trying to cover a bruise, um, unexplained injuries, um, avoiding friends, uh, changes in school performances or activities. They no longer feel like they, they want to do some of their extracurricular activities. Um, so those are some of the things that, that we ask that people pay attention to, as well as, you know, someone who might 
just started dating uh, a person, you know, you have to pay uh, attention to if they want to get involved uh, want to get serious very quickly. I always talk about how, you know, you might be feeling some kind of chemistry with this person, but you still don't know them, so it's okay to say, I want to get to know you better before we get, we get more serious. Um, and if that person doesn't really respect that decision, again, that's your boundary, right? You want to get to know them better before you get more serious. And if they don't respect it, then it might be a sign that they're not going to respect your other boundaries. Um, if they... Um, I, we always talk about how um, if they seem possessive, if we try to address the fact that jealousy is not really a sign of love because that is a misconception, you know, that um, some people may have, especially young people, because, again, they're learning about relationships. So we talk about how how does jealousy feel. It usually feels like a really negative emotion, right? You're feeling sad, depressed, angry, closed off. You feel like distressful, um, and how all those emotions really have nothing to do with the emotions that you go through when you feel love. When you feel love, you feel happy, and you feel like you're floating. You want to open up your heart to this person, you know. So those emotions have nothing to do with each other. They don't match. So that's how you know that jealousy is not really a part of love. Um, So just talking about what, um, what is, again, how to carry out a healthy relationship. What if this person asks that you start dating in secret? Well, you know, maybe you should talk about how long are you going to keep the relationship secret because you know that it's not going to lead any place good if they want to keep the relationship secret forever, right? But if they want to keep it secret for, I don't know, the first few days or whatever until they can tell their parents or um, you know, things like that, then that is something that you can talk through, right? But just keeping a relationship secret indefinitely is probably not the best way to get started. So just, again, just, yeah, talking about some of those things with young people. And you mentioned earlier isolation. I think that's a huge red flag. Oftentimes people will come into somebody's life and they will begin to isolate them from their friends and their family. And as you mentioned, some of the routines, it's, if the person was active with a certain group of people and now they they don't have time to socialize and they can't sit with the same group or maybe they were active with athletics and now that person is kind of pulling them and isolating them away from their support system. Um, I'm, I'm always very, very leery of, of people who come into somebody's life and they paint the parents and the family as the bad person. And they create this it's us against them kind of vision in the mind of the girl or, you know, or the person in the relationship. That can be very, very dangerous because, again, when it comes to violence, it's it's really about control. And in some of the worst situations, that is the first step. How can I isolate this person? How can I get them away from their support system? How can I get them to distrust the people who have their best interest at heart? and have them to myself. And so if there are girls out there who are listening who um, may have maybe in a relationship and maybe have seen some of the signs and the symptoms, some of the behaviors, how 
um, can they get out, Samantha? What you talked about a safety plan. What would a safety plan look like for a teenager or a college student, and how can they get out of an unhealthy relationship? Well, a safety plan is a very personal plan. It's not really a cookie cutter that can um, help just, you know, that we give out to everyone. When we safety plan with someone, it's really about a conversation about how, what steps that person can take to make themselves safe. Because even there are some legal resources like getting a protection order or getting a restraining order. But even when you go and request that at the court, uh, the court itself will tell you, you know, you need to have a safety plan because in the end this is just a piece of paper and it cannot stop uh, a weapon, right? So things like, you know, having a code word with friends, you know, if you – feel like um, you are in danger having already had a conversation with your friends and family and saying my code word will be, for example, ice cream. And, um, you know, because when you're in danger, you really, sometimes you cannot just grab the phone and call for help. You know, your phone might get broken. But you can definitely um, talk in code and say, hey, I know that, um, we said we were going to go for ice cream later, but now I'm at school and, um, you know, I'll just, you know, we'll just go some other time. And so, again, if your code word was ice cream, then now you've let that person know that you feel like you're in danger. Um, if you're going to break up with this person, it's better to do it in a public place with some, you know, going with someone that you can trust. Um, because, again, you know, that breaking breaking up process is the most dangerous time for a person. It's when the person can find themselves at the highest risk of getting hurt. So, again, having that safety plan is are those steps that you, they can take. Maybe you shouldn't walk by yourself uh, home. Maybe you should have a walking body, and at least until, you know, you know, some time passes. Uh, maybe you shouldn't be by yourself um, or walk home at night, you know. If you're going from point A to point B, um, maybe you should call ahead so that they know to expect you. Um, if you have a protection order, a restraining order, getting the school involved is important. You know, what are the uh, methods that the, the or how can the school staff support you in keeping yourself safe? Does that mean changing schools? Does that mean uh, changing bus routes? Does that What does that look like? So involving in the school, the more support systems that you can reach out to, the better. Reach out to a domestic violence agency. Reach out to, um, there. there is also a national hotline dating abuse number that people can, people can call. Um, and so reaching out to adults to talk to uh, when you're feeling um, unsafe, when you're feeling um, like you can't take it anymore, like you might go back to this person. On average, a person breaks up and gets back together seven to nine times when they're in an abusive relationship. So and if you're a person, the friend of this person, then understanding that, you know, understanding that if you say things like, well, I just can't be your friend anymore until you break up with this person, uh, that might mean that you're t- cutting off that support for for the victim as well. I thank you, Samantha. You have shared a wealth of information. How can our listeners um, contact you or contact the Partnership Against Domestic Violence? I know that you all are here in um, 
parts of Georgia, but you're also a national organization. And so can you give them your website? Can you, if there are people who are listening who may be interested in you coming out and educating their kids or their parents, can you kind of tell them how they can do that? Sure thing. Um, first, let me give you the National Dating Abuse Hotline number. Um, that's a number that is um, from a national agency, and if they call that number, uh, victims or friends of victims can call that number and get the help that they need as far as safety planning, as far as finding resources in their area. That number is one eight six six three three one nine four seven four. Now, PADV does prevention education um, in the community, and we go out to middle schools, high schools, churches, youth organizations um, to talk to young and adults about, again, about what dating violence looks like, what how to get help, um, and to program or schedule a presentation. Uh, they can call us at 404-870-9600. Zero zero again. It's four zero four eight seven zero nine six zero zero, and we we are also starting to promote and re- start registering for our annual Teen Dating Violence Summit, which will take place on February eighth, and this year will be in Duluth at the Primerica headquarters from eleven to three eleven a.m. to three p.m. and to register, they can go to our website or just go to the expectmorebemore.eventbrite.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Samantha, for joining us on A Price's Perspective. You do such great work in the community. And for the listeners who are tuning in today, remember, love doesn't hurt. There are great resources between the Partnership Against Domestic Violence, the hotline that she provided, and there's a wealth of information online. If you or somebody that you know is in an unhealthy and abusive relationship, get help. Please get help. Thank you for tuning in to A Priceless Perspective, and we look forward to you joining us next week. God bless. Join the conversation. Visit us online at pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by...